With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't-miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. Hey, it's Doug Gottlieb. You know, our trusted partner, Tyrac.com, for fast, free shipping, free roadhouse protection, convenient installation options, and their great selection of the best tires, like the highly consumer-rated Firestone Destination AT2. But did you know they sell other automotive products? Wheels, brakes, suspension, just to name a few. Everything you need to elevate your drive, simply go to TireRack.com slash sports. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. Hey, it's Jonas Knox. 56% of job seekers say their biggest challenge is finding a job that matches their qualifications, according to an Express Employment Professionals Harris Poll survey. The job search can be a lonely process, but Express Employment Professionals can be your one connection to finding a job that fits. Each year, hundreds of thousands of people find work through their local Express office. Find the location near you at ExpressPros.com. With no fees for job seekers, visit ExpressPros.com. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bed 365 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Thanks for listening to the Doug Gottlieb Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday, 3 to 6 Eastern, 12 to 3 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. Find your local station for the Doug Gottlieb Show at foxsportsradio.com or stream us live every day on the iHeartRadio app by searching FSR. Now let's get this party started. You're listening to Fox Sports Radio. What up, America? Doug Gottlieb Show, Fox Sports Radio. Coming to you from the beautiful, sunny city of Los Angeles, California. Hope you're having a great day. Hope you have begun the negotiations without beginning the negotiations. That's what we're going to start with today, which is what you should be starting with. you got to position yourself, folks. Position yourselves for future negotiations. That's what Jerry Jones is doing, and that's what you need to do. What do you need to do? Hey, whether it's Thursday night football or Saturday or Sunday or Monday. I don't know if you're East Coast or you're West Coast, but it doesn't really matter. The negotiations should be underway, even if they're not yet underway. Here's what I mean. Are you aware of the upcoming football schedule? Are you? How how aware are you of it? Here's your nights if you care anything about football. And and I never understand the whole, I'm an NFL guy, I don't watch college. I'm a college guy, I don't watch NFL. Like, oh, okay. I like U.S. Open tennis. But if I gave you the choice of U.S. Open tennis or college football and you're an NFL guy, which will you choose? 
San Diego State, Stanford on Friday night. Saturday night, ooh, now it gets good. Saturday night, Saturday midday, you have Tennessee, West Virginia. And Saturday night, you got Michigan, Notre Dame. Louisville, Alabama. Sunday night, Miami, LSU. Monday night, Virginia Tech, Florida State. Wow! <laughs> College football knows what the F they're doing, don't they? They're like, look, we understand that some of you are going to be split coming up, right? Some of you are going to be like, I got NFL, I got NFL Thursday, I got NFL Sunday, I got NFL Monday, I got a lot of stuff to do. We need to announce our presence like Nuclelouche with authority. So we're going to give you Notre Dame, Michigan, Louisville, Alabama, Miami, LSU, Virginia Tech, Florida State. And here's where the negotiation should be. You don't start negotiating on Saturday morning for Saturday night with your wife. Oh, don't worry. I got all this Saturday. Uh, yeah, uh, listen, at 4.30 or at 7.30, I'm going to need to check out a little bit for football. What you need to be doing is earning up that equity. Earning up that equity. Hun, listen, this afternoon you need to go get that haircut. You should do that. Wednesday night, it's me. Ladies night, go, go, you should do that. You should do, you should do that. It's good. It's good. It's a good idea. No, you need school, getting back underway with the kids. You need to, you're starting the process of negotiating without actually negotiating. Don't ask for anything back in return. Hey, I don't need anything back in return. You just go. You just go. Hey, you know, Nordies, they still have, a, I know their anniversary sale is done, but they still have a bunch of stuff on sale. Like, you should check that stuff out. That way, when the negotiations actually start Friday night, what you get tomorrow? Yeah, listen, um, the ball game on 4:30 Notre Dame Michigan really want to watch it. Oh. Oh okay, well that sounds reasonable. Listen, um I got some things to do in the morning. You got to go to Home Depot and Bed Bath and Beyond. You're like, oh, that sounds good. Sounds like a good Saturday. All right, soccer game, football, ball, baseball, football. Whatever you got to do, you do that Saturday, then Saturday night you're like, "Huh? I still have children and a wife? Fine. I'm watching football." That's how it works. That's what Jerry Jones is doing. That's what the owners are doing. What have we heard about the players this entire offseason and preseason? Man, we need longer. We need fully guaranteed contracts. Fully guaranteed contracts. We need more money. There's got to be more money. Whether it's whether it's Odell Beckham Jr. who just got more money or Aaron Donald who's going to get more money or Khalil Mack who we'd all assume is going to get more money. We just don't know who he's going to get that money from. Everybody wants more money. Everybody wants more guaranteed deals. More, 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 more. Here's Jerry Jones on 105.3 The Fan in Dallas giving his thoughts on a potential new NFL schedule. My solution is real simple. is cut back on preseason games, have one at each team's home, play a couple of them, and then you need to add two games to the regular season, which I've been a proponent of for several years. It's probably physically better for players than it is to have the longer preseason, the longer practicing. Our studies show that uh, we actually have a ramped-up injury situation with players during preseason. Yeah, our, st- our studies show that even though most of these injuries occur to guys that aren't going to make the NFL and that most of you don't play, most of the guys that matter don't play in two preseason games, our studies show that by and large what I told you years ago about 18-game schedule is in fact right. All this is is Jerry Jones laying down the path for negotiations. He knows the NFL players want more money. 
He knows they want more. They want they want more a, big, a higher percentage of that money guaranteed. He knows the player association wants deeper rosters, more guys, more jobs, more money, more, 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 more. I mean, listen, I I got the path to more money for me. You hate those preseason games? I hate the preseason games. Hey, uh, I've been telling you 18 games for years, but this isn't about money. It's not about me making more money. No, no. It's not about the owners making more money. No, he never mentioned that. He never mentioned it's not about all of us owners making more money or about increased TV deals. Nope. This is about, hey, player safety an issue? We got you. Preseason games a nuisance? We got you. Players and their emotions tell them they deserve longer guaranteed, more financially acceptable deals? We got you. This is about you. This is my solution to your problems. Players are dealing on personal emotions. Owners are businessmen. And everything in life is a negotiation, isn't it? You know, you negotiate with your wife, you negotiate with your kids. Hell, you even negotiate with the, with, uh, with somebody who you're, with with the parking spot. Do I jam it in really close to this parking spot to where I have to walk five, you know, five floors less? Or do I go around a couple times? Negotiations, there's give and take. And players saying we want fully guaranteed contracts is never going to happen. And owners saying they want 18 games is probably never going to happen. And and fans saying we don't want to pay for preseason games is never going to happen. And somewhere in the middle is where life actually exists. You give us this, we'll give you that. You want fully vested, fully guaranteed contracts? Cool. How about 18 games? No, we don't want that. Okay, what if, what if? You're vested as a veteran after three years instead of after four or actually five years. We redo some of the right handwriting within the franchise player tag. Oh, okay, that's cool. We'll do that if you give us 18 games. This is just negotiation. That's all. I don't actually think it doesn't matter in terms of football, right? It doesn't. I think owners... The part that they're not saying is, look, we have to have 10 home dates in our home stadiums. That's the way we keep the lights on. That's how we have to do it. It's only 10 home. We have minimum of 10 home dates at our stadium. That's what we need to just break even. That's how stadiums are built. It's like one of the great misconceptions about, well, should there be public financing? Like, Oh, there shouldn't be public financing. Owners, they do. They will make a ton of money. If they lay out all the money on the stadium, they're also going to want to have all the land or have all the tax benefits. Unless, of course, cities want to make that money and cities benefit greatly from it. This is the big, great misconception with San Diego. I love San Diego. San Diego should have a new downtown, beautiful stadium just like Petco. Petco is incredible. Imagine if there was a sister stadium or a big brother stadium sitting somewhere next to it. Or they had a football stadium. Every event would want to be there. And the idea that that a pro sports franchise is supposed to shell out a bunch of money when they only use it 10 times a year. Think about that for a second. You want to spend how a billion dollars on something you're going to use 10 times a year? Wow, that's a luxury purchase. So all of this stuff is negotiation. The 18-game schedule isn't going to come to fruition if it ever happens until the 2020s. And the truth is, it's probably never going to happen because 
He can give us all the data he wants about the high number of concussions that occur in the preseason. But the only thing you got to think about, how many quarterbacks, how many important players were hurt last year in the NFC? And we're only talking about a 16-game schedule. Common logic tells you that two more regular season games, which gives you a higher likelihood of injury to important players. And you can fill out the rest of the roster with offensive linemen and defensive linemen for the war of attrition. But there just aren't that many good quarterbacks. There just aren't that many good running backs. There just aren't that many good wide receivers, period. So begin the negotiations with your wife or significant other today. Don't start Saturday because you're going to get shut down. Because by Saturday, her plans for Saturday afternoon and Saturday evening are made. No, 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 no. Listen, I've been planning all week. We're going over to the Smith's house. They're having people over. It's little Jenny's birthday. You're going to come. And if the game is on, the game is on. Right? There's nothing worse than you're like, oh, my God, we're going to the one house that doesn't like football. Right? Or they hate Notre Dame so much they will not watch the Notre Dame game. When you walk into a house, and I've done this before, you were just like, hey, um, you mind if I put the game on? And they say, what game? You're the wrong house. My, my first Thanksgiving in Connecticut, we moved from Oklahoma City to Connecticut. I took a job at ESPN. This is in the fall of 2003. I'll never forget this. Um, we didn't know that we needed a counter-depth refrigerator. Okay. Anybody who's bought a refrigerator knows what a counter depth refrigerator is. So our neighbors were super nice. We didn't have any kids, a couple, a dog at the time. And they lend us like a college type refrigerator that was in that spot. Anyway, they're like, Hey, listen, we know you don't have a fridge. You want to come down for Thanksgiving? And I was working later that night. And I was like, that's awesome. Dad, two daughters, wife. Uh, mother-in-law who got wasted. I mean, just wasted. Anyway, at some point we sat down. It was about noon or 1230. And I was like, hey, uh, you going to watch the game? You going to throw the game on? Thanksgiving Day. What game? You just like note to self, not going to be a close friend. (laughs) Uh, we are days away, just days away, two in fact, from the official kickoff. We had soft lunch last weekend, week zero. Official kickoff of college football season. We'll check in with the new head coach of a historically great university, football-wise, Florida State. Willie Taggart's going to be our guest. How does he plan to compete with almighty Clemson, and how healthy is DeAndre Francois as he got hurt in uh, the first game of last season? That upcoming next, but first... Hiring used to be hard. It used to be. Multiple job sites, stacks of resumes, confusing review process. But today, hiring can be made easy, and you only have to go to one place to get it done, ZipRecruiter.com slash Doug. ZipRecruiter sends your job to over 100 of the web's leading job boards, but they don't just stop there. With their powerful matching technology, ZipRecruiter scans thousands of resumes to find people with the right experience and invite them to apply for your job. You know that over 80% of employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within just one day. Crazy number, right? But totally accurate. With results like that, it's no wonder ZipRecruiter is the highest rated hiring site in America. That's right. I said the highest rating hiring site in America. So you can try ZipRecruiter for free because you listen to me. Go to ZipRecruiter.com slash Doug. That's Zip, Z-I-P, Recruiter.com slash 
Doug, D-O-U-G. ZipRecruiter.com slash Doug. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Be sure to catch live editions of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at noon Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. Brought to you by Progressive Insurance. We'll compare rates for you so you get a great deal, even if it's not with us. Saving you time and money. Now that's Progressive. Call or click today. Doug Gottlieb Show, Fox Sports Radio. You know, I ask a question of a lot of these young coaches. I'm going to ask of Willie Taggart, who's, I mean, a young-ish, right? Like, uh, he had his birthday yesterday, and um, he's been a head coach several times over before. But th- this this weekend's a historic moment. I mean, it just is, and I'm sure it's big for him. He's been a head coach as a as a dude who grew up in Bradenton, Florida. He's been in Florida as a big-time head coach, even going back to two years ago when he was at South Florida. It's different in FSU's first black head coach, permanent black head coach at uh, Florida State in Florida State football history, and I know that Florida State is not Miami, but Florida State, um, Florida State, Florida, and Miami, any of those three programs. If you grew up in Bradenton, playing football, going to West Kentucky, you dreamed of playing at FSU to be the head coach, to walk into Doak Walker Stadium and be the guy. Oh, ho, 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 ho. I mean, they went like 17 years in a row where they didn't finish outside of the top five. I mean, it's, it's crazy. So I, 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 you know, I asked Scott Frost this, who's been a head coach. But what, what does he think it's going to be like? I'm going to ask Willie Taggart the exact same thing. Like, what is that? What, what do you think Saturday is going to be like? It's not just Virginia Tech and there is the tie Virginia Tech, Florida State, that famous Sugar Bowl game. Bobby Bowden doing an interview during the game while Mike Vick is out there balling for, for Virginia Tech. But the idea of he's made it 10 times over as a head coach already. Now you've made it maybe. Now you're part of college football royalty. All right, let's welcome in Willie Taggart, the new head coach at Florida State. First coach, happy birthday one day belated. Uh, thank you very much. I appreciate that, buddy. Does it does it feel like home yet? Um. Yeah, because I'm familiar, um, I would say from that standpoint, but and it feels like home because uh, I'm not planning on going anywhere else. No, I, I understand that, but I, I did notice the pause. Like it's, it takes a little bit of time to where, you know, you can, you could, you can drive the roads of Tallahassee or when you're at Tampa or when you're at Western. I'm sure you go to Bowling Green, Kentucky. You, I could blindfold you. You could find your way. You could find your way to the stadium, couldn't you? Uh, yeah, you can. I think it's very similar here in Tallahassee, too. It's not a big city. You know, it's pretty small, and you can get to a lot of places. i tell you one thing about Tallahassee now. There's so many lights, so it, it it's about a mile away, but it'll take you about 10 minutes to get there with all the lights. Well, i just tell you this. Listen, <laughs> you beat Clemson, you win the ACC. You pull one, you pull a local sheriff aside and said, hey, listen, could we get it where at like 6.30 a.m. I get a straight shot? I guarantee those lights would change. All you got to do is win, win a Sugar Bowl, win, win a big bowl game, and I guarantee that'll happen. Tell me I'm, tell me I'm wrong. Uh, you're right, buddy. <laughs> Willie Taggart joining us on the Doug Gottlieb Show. Take me through DeAndre, the, the decision to start DeAndre Francois in the opener. Last year, of course, we saw him suffer through a tragic knee injury because he's, he's such an electric talent. How close was the call for you? Um, it was it was close. I mean, we had a really good um, battle throughout training camp. Those guys were really working hard. But I think when we looked at the overall work and, and just 
when those guys are in there with 11 on 11 and just watching how the offense flows and, and watching guys that make uh, the, the least mistakes. Um, DeAndre was that guy, and, and um, we felt like he was the best one for us going forward. Uh, as a quarterback yourself, what have the conversations been like in terms of how much you're going to put him in harm's way where he hasn't seen live contact, you know, he hasn't seen those live bullets since suffering the knee injury? Well, we just talk about being smart and, and always know where, where the good and the bad things are, you know, the things that's, that can hurt what we're doing offensively or things that – uh, things that can get you in those situations, you know. Um, we don't talk a lot about, I tell him about sliding. He got to learn and know how to slide. I think that's important playing the quarterback position. But, um, I think when it comes to injury, it's hard to avoid a lot of those things. Um, you're just playing ball. You just try to be smart with the football and understand, um, your job is to make it back to the, to the line of scrimmage. You know, the quarterback. we've, we've only, like, look, in my lifetime, there's only been two, clo- two head coaches at Florida State, right? Um, and so we're used to Florida State looking a certain way. Of course, they were the ones who really brought, you know, a fast, it was like, was a fast break on turf back when, uh, Charlie back Ward. when Charlie Ward was there, right? Yeah, so they, they were, yeah. like, everybody credits different people for the spread and for tempo, but Florida State really kind of brought that into, uh, into mainstream football. I, I guess my question is, how's a Willie Taggart coached Florida State team going to look in comparisons to Jimbo's, uh, or, or previous, previous, uh, Florida State teams? Um, I think, again, you won't see us huddle. You know, you've seen Florida State in the past, they huddle. You won't see us huddling. Um, you see us um, dictate the tempo that we want to play with. Um, I think you'll probably see some of the same plays. I think when you look around college football, everybody's running the same plays. We just kind of get to it differently. So I see us, you'll see us doing those things differently and then some formations um, that you probably hadn't seen as much. You'll see those as well. I don't want to disrespect in any way your alma mater, Western Kentucky, which at their level has been a tremendous program. You turn that thing around. Nor do I want to do it to South Florida. They've had success. Or Oregon, of course, has played for national championship. But Florida State is part of college football royalty. And I'd be remiss if you didn't mention, like, look, you're the first African-American permanent head coach in the history of Florida State football. Any sense of what that's going to feel like when you walk on the field with that FSU emblazoned on your chest as the head coach at Florida State on Saturday? Um, it's going to be fun. It's, it's a place where I always wanted to be, and um, you finally get to that spot, and now it's, it's go time. It's competitive time, and I know there's going to be a lot of energy. Everyone is excited, and I'll be excited, but I think once you run out of the tunnel, you get to the sideline, then it's kind of back to normal. It's just it's playing ball and, and, and coaching and locking into the game plan and, and what you got to um, get accomplished. I think just being the first African-American coach here, um, I, I know for me personally, it was that way everywhere I've been, whether it's Western, South Florida, Oregon. So that doesn't um, do anything really, other than you know just <clears throat> trying to be the best coach you can be and, and go out there and try to win a ball game. Virginia Tech, Florida State, we're the same age, so I'm sh- I'm sure we took it the same way. When when I think of those <laughs> two teams matching up, I think of Mike Vick, seemingly a one man show, Beamer Ball mm-hmm. playing against Florida State. Isn't that isn't that what you think of? Oh yeah. Yeah, it was a big time ball game. I know the first half there, uh, Michael Vick was he was unstoppable, and it was it was good to see old Peter Ward come and and uh, save the day for us there in, in, in the second half. Uh, so, are you going to be conducting interviews while the game's going on, like Coach Bowden used to? Uh, no, I don't think I'll be doing that. <laughs> uh, how how does having such? It's not just a Virginia Tech game out of the shoot. It's a conference game mm-hmm. for your first game. How does that change your how does that change your approach here in the fall in prepping? Like there's no 
Like, you don't play Northern or Samford. You don't play those kind of lead-up games where you can play the young guys and you can try some things and hide some things. How does it change your prep for this game? Well, I think I think the thing we do more now is stress the fact that it is a conference game. You know, it's still a um, first-game opponent, and there's some things, you, you, there's some unknowns out there, you know, but um, for us, we just got to go out and, and, and try to execute our our um our offense, defense, and special team the best of our abilities, and and play a good sound football and not lose a game. And um, again, it's a conference game, and we stress it more on unlike other games when it's out of conference. And but this is big. This is part of our goals and things we want to get accomplished this year. And um, there's no there's no warm up. You know, you start off in the fire with with with, with a team that could possibly be playing in the conference championship game as well. No, no question. I mean, and mm-hmm. and your schedule, uh, Vatek at home. Clemson at home, but you go to places like Louisville to Miami to Notre Dame, and then of course you end the season against in-state rival Florida. Like that is right into the fire. There is no softies on, on this schedule. Okay, so I, I read the CBSSports.com unnamed coaches article, and you garnered the highest percentage of votes for coaches overrated coaches. I'm sure you've read it and been asked about it. I just wondered what's your response, how how you took that when you read that article. Um, I didn't read the article, but I was told that I was um, voted as overrated coach by some of my peers, and um, I laughed because I'm sure some of those peers I don't even know, um, I don't talk to, and um, if I listen to any people like that, I wouldn't be in this position that I'm in. Stan Wilcox is going to leave and go to the NCAA. He's the man who hired you, Florida State Athletic Director. He's going to work for the NCAA. Um, what's the feeling like when a guy who had enough faith in you to bring you home to give you a chance to run this program, uh, then comes in and says, hey, I just want you to know I'm going to take a job with the NCAA. Um, I mean, he, he's doing what's best for him and his family, and, and Stan did a great job while he was here. And, again, I, I, I'm i in debt to Stan for bringing me here and to be the head football coach here. And I know he'll do a good job at NCAA as well. I, I will tell you this, Doug, just me and my young head coaching experience, I've kind of experienced some of everything. I've experienced this at two of the jobs I've been at, you know, Western Kentucky and South Florida. So um, I will say my trip here kind of really helped me with all these different experiences. No question. <laughs> Everything along the way prepares you for, yeah. for the moment that you are today. Last thing, everybody's going to talk about DeAndre and the offense. But the mm-hmm. truth is that when Florida State's really good, you got dudes flying around out there on defense. Uh, but, of course, you know, offensive styles have changed. Mm-hmm. G- give me the sense of what you were left with, what you've been able to add in to this Noel defense. Well, we, uh, we have some talent. You know, we're young. We're really young on, on the defense side of the ball. And really as a football team, we have a young football team. And, um, but I know up front, I think we, we have some really good depth. Um, really, really happy with our D line. Um, secondary, we have depth. And, and then at linebacker, we just inexperienced. We have some guys there just inexperienced. And the only way you can get it is by getting in the fire and, and, and going. But like you said, when we're really good is when we have a good defense and, I think being simple and allowing these guys just to play football uh, will help. Can't wait to see the Knowles on uh, Labor Day at night. Doke Walker, you on the sideline against Virginia Tech. Wish you the best of luck, Coach. Thanks so much for joining us on Fox Sports Radio. Hey, thank you very much for having me on, Doug. Have a great day if you want to. Happy birthday again. Hey, thank you, buddy. Willie Taggart joining us on the Doug Gottlieb Show here on Fox Sports Radio. Let's bring in Deb Carson. 
who joins us. Deb, what's working? What are you working on in the world of sports? Well, is the NFL preseason necessary? Cowboys owner Jerry Jones says he thinks the NFL should cut the preseason to just two games and add those two games to the regular season to make it 18 games. In fact, he says, if anything, it would be better for the players. It's probably physically better for players than it is to have the longer preseason, the longer practicing. Our studies show that uh, we actually have a ramped-up injury situation with players during preseason. Jerry on Dallas's KRLD Radio. Jets coach Todd Bowles told the media that he will get his coaching staff together and meet after Thursday night's preseason finale against the Eagles to decide who will be the team's starting quarterback for the regular season opener. Also after that Eagles-Jets matchup, Philly coach Doug Peterson says he expects to know who his starting Week 1 quarterback will be. Colts quarterback Andrew Luck missed his second straight practice today with a foot injury. And a note from Major League Baseball, the Phillies have acquired slugger Jose Bautista from the Mets for a player to be named. Awesome. Thanks so much, Deb. Great to have you along for we'll hear We'll hear from uh, Deb Carson in about 10 minutes. Doug Gottlieb show here on Fox Sports Radio. You know, it, it's, it's going to be fascinating to see... Um, it's going to be fascinating to see what happens at at uh, at Florida. Really is, I mean, yeah, at, at Florida State, uh, as it was, you know, like as it's interesting to see what happens at Florida, as what happens at Miami. Right? Miami makes a coaching change, and last year it was better, but was it really more a product of their schedule? My op- Miami opens up with LSU. God, I love college football. Here's the thing about college football. I, I completely understand anyone who tells me it's a lower level of football than the NFL. Okay? I understand I understand that. I get that. Like Bo Scarborough playing now in the NFL. Do you guys remember what Bo Scarborough looked like on a college football field? He, he looked like the Incredible Hulk. Now, Bo Scarborough looks like a normal running, a fairly normal running back, and he's a huge human being. Huge. So... The, the players are just that much better, right? They're bigger, they're stronger, as as we've seen with Lamar Jackson, right? Lamar Jackson athletically was unstoppable in the ACC, and now he struggles to outrun linebackers. And you're like, what? Yeah, why? Because you don't get faster, everybody else does. But there's something to the fight songs. There's something to the stadiums all being different. There's something to the coaches, the styles. It's a lot like back when they had the EA Sports video game. Madden was the better game. But you could run Veer. You could run Zone Read. You could run Wishbone. You could do all this other stuff that you couldn't do at the pro level. You just can't. God, I love college football. All right, Cliff Kingsbury is supposed to join us upcoming. Hopefully we'll hear from Texas Tech's head coach as he gets ready for Ole Miss this weekend. Woo. Okay, he may, he may have run into an issue. May, he may, uh, all right. We'll figure out what's going on down at uh, Texas Tech. I was hoping to catch up with KK. Anyway, getting ready for uh, getting ready for the, the Red Raiders to take on Ole Miss. But coming up next, what are the chances Carson Wentz starts week one of the regular season for the defending Super Bowl champions? I will tell you on the Doug Gottlieb Show. Be sure to catch live editions of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at noon Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific. Car shopping can be confusing with terms like dealer price, list price, and invoice price. 
True Car shows what other people paid for the car you want, so you can recognize a good price. When you're ready to buy a new or used car, visit True Car and enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Uh, some dude named Knowingly Fair tweeted out, Coach Taggart, first time I heard Coach Taggart speak, he's unfazed by being called overrated. Good for him. So here's the thing. We had three coaches on who were called underrated by the same article, which was uh, um, an unnamed vote by coaches, right? We had Kirk Ferentz, head coach at Iowa. We had Willie Taggart. And we had James Franklin. And uh, let's see here. James Franklin uh, did, in fact, laugh it off, right? And said said he didn't care. Um. Coach Ferentz said, sounded like he didn't, he wasn't even aware of the article. Wasn't aware of the article. Uh, nor did he, he kind of gave the classic, like, yeah, I just control what I can control and not really concerned about it. And Willie Tagger was like, it's funny. I'm sure a bunch of those guys never even met me or coached against me. So, I one, they all handled it well. Secondly, I don't think it actually matters. And third, this is the way in which you get things like this to go away. The biggest mistake coaches make is in responding defensively. Because when you respond defensively or you respond, you crack back at the pole or at coaches and you get really, really defensive. That's when we all kind of our ears get perked up a little bit, don't we? Like, oh, a little burr in his saddle. This is really, really smart by all three of those guys. Got a story as to what the deciding factor was in the New York Giants extending and giving new money and the biggest contract in the history of the sport to a wide receiver in Odell Beckham Jr. Get to that in a second. But first, let's play a game. This is game time. It's game time. On the Doug Gottlieb Show. Barring up to $40,000 to pay off your high-interest credit cards with Lending Club, go to LendingClub.com slash Playbook today and check your rate in minutes. That's LendingClub.com slash Playbook. All loans made by WebBank. Member FDIC equal housing lender. Deb Carson, what do you got? I have got for you, Doug Gottlieb. What are the chances? All righty. Earlier today, Eagles head coach Doug Peterson addressed their quarterback situation with Nick Foles and Carson Wentz, and here's what he had to say. What's the deadline for you when you have to make a decision on the quarterback for you? 90 minutes before the kickoff, I think. So you don't need to know by Friday when the game plan is I'll know. I mean, me personally, I will know. Oh, privately? Probably Friday. Privately. All righty, Doug. So what are the chances Carson Wentz starts week one of the regular season? Um, I don't think particularly good. I think in the 10% variety. Always err on the side of caution. Most of these teams view the first four weeks as extended preseason and offensive lines are the last to come together. Eagles have had some offensive line issues to work through. I'd say like a 10% chance. I'm with you. And I'm, I'm thinking the fans probably presume they'll see Super Bowl uh, Nick Foles rather than preseason Nick Foles. Uh, another quarterback competition in the NFL taking place in Cleveland, of course. Browns head coach Hugh Jackson has repeatedly said Terod Taylor is the starter over number one overall pick Baker Mayfield. He said Baker will thank him one day for sitting his rookie season. So what are the chances Baker Mayfield doesn't start a single game this season? 
I know that's their plan, but I don't think it's a reality. I would say doesn't start. So your question is, what is, what is the chance he doesn't start a single exactly. game? Exactly, yeah. 15%. 15%. Yeah. Like, it just he's a number one overall pick. He's going to start a game. 15% chance he doesn't start again. Yeah, and if they get midway through the season and nothing's going on, they've still got a goose egg in the win column, I think they finally throw him in there. Plus, or, or if Taylor gets hurt. Correct, that's the other part. Is that the, the part we haven't, and you don't ever want to wish this, but Tyrod Taylor is a guy who runs around and gets hurt a lot. Like, he just does. Yeah. So... Not out of the realm realm of likelihood that he, he starts a game. All righty. So Charles Robinson of Yahoo Sports is reporting that Khalil Mack's holdout with the Raiders will likely continue into the regular season, also saying, quote, this was a point made forcefully clear by multiple sources that unless team owner Mark Davis steps in, Gruden has the final say over whatever happens with Mack's deal. This means whether Mack is traded, extended, or shelved until... Reporting to the franchise on his current deal, Gruden's final call is the definitive piece of the puzzle, end quote. All that to say, or to lead you to, what are the chances Khalil Mack never plays another game for the Raiders? Um, I think there's a 30% chance. 30% chance he never plays another game for the Raiders. Both sides are dug in. Raiders have major cap issues. They overspent on some pieces uh, in the in the offseason, and... As John Gruden has pointed out, others pointed out before, John, like their defense, even when they made the playoffs, wasn't good, even though and no one argues Khalil Mack's a tremendous player. Got to sprinkle that money around. Yeah. So, yeah, I think it's like a 30, 30% chance, 3 in 10 chance he's played his last game with the Raiders. Yeah. And as much as Mark Davis loves John Gruden, don't you think if Gruden really wanted Mack's deal to get done, it would get done? Yes. Yeah. All right, moving to college. We know Urban Meyer will miss the first three games of Ohio State season. And, of course, we're all looking forward to Michigan versus Notre Dame on Saturday. Let me be the first to wish you a happy football season, by the way. Thank you. Same to you. Thank you. What are the chances this is the year Harbaugh takes advantage of Meyer's absence and finally wins the Big Ten? Well, now, Meyer's not going to be gone for any well, one Big Ten game, right? Just the Rutgers just game? Just the three, yeah. And, you know, Michigan State, even though it's not really pertaining to football, they have their own kind of issues there. Uh, Penn State, with dealing with the loss of Saquon Barkley and some other talented players on the defensive side of the football. The issue with Michigan, who also lost their top wide receiver for the season, is that they have a, a, as difficult a schedule as anyone in the country. It's not just out of conference playing Notre Dame on the road to start the year with Shea Patterson, who's... Uh, who's only been on campus for like four or five months, um, but but also, uh, or actually eight months, I guess he's been on campus. Uh, also, the in conference they essentially play everybody that matters. Like they don't avoid anybody in the West. So, what are the chances that he wins the Big Ten? Thirty-three uh, percent. Thirty-three percent. You talking about outright or co? Can he win it co? How, how do you? How I think you got to win it outright. Yeah, thirty-three percent. Okay, and I'll go twenty if we can go. You know, look 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 back five months from now and look at this. Okay. Uh, NBA insider Adrian Adrian Wojnarowski said on his most recent podcast about Kyrie Irving's future, "quote I still would take Boston against the rest of the field. Yep. I still think in the end there comes a moment of truth when you look around and you have to make a decision about somewhere else. And when you really start inspecting the questions that are in almost any other circumstance, he would go to." You would say, boy, it's pretty good here. I still think it's going to be really hard to walk away from this, meaning Boston. So what are the chances Irving stays with the Celtics beyond this season? I think it's 75%. I really do. 
Um, I think the, our, the, because Kyrie is kind of dodgy and doesn't want to give you any sense of being comfortable, but that's the most talented team in the East, and it's not really close. I think he enjoys playing for Brad Stevens. I think he enjoys playing with guys who handle themselves as professionals. They have great depth. You don't have to do it yourself. None of these guys really want to do it themselves. Um, and, and I also think that at some point you don't want to be a guy who runs away from every place that you go to. I think a 75% chance. That's game, huh? Game time. This is game time on the Doug Gottlieb Show. So here's the story. Giants co-owner John, Mar- John Mara sounded skeptical about signing wide receiver Odell Beckham Jr. to a long-term contract in March. A lot of chatter about a potential trade. Mara said Tuesday that there was little fire behind that smoke. The Giants, of course, gave Beckham a long-term deal he was looking for going back to yesterday. And Mara said in a press conference via Tom Rock of Newsday that it was always the team's intention to get the deal done. Mara said the deciding factor was seeing Beckham on the field during joint practices with the Lions earlier this month. The Giants have kept Beckham, who broke his ankle last year, out of preseason games this fall or this late summer. But his work against Detroit's defense was enough to show Mara that Beckham was healthy enough to make now the time to get everything done on the contract front. Huh. I don't really understand that one. Don't understand that one at all. You? Anybody else? Like, oh, he looked good in one practice. So let's give him the biggest contract ever. I don't think anyone had said, had anyone ever said the issue with Odell Beckham Jr. was, would he be healthy from the broken ankle? Or was he an elite wide receiver? There's never any disputing that. It's how do you value a wide receiver versus the rest of the players in the field? How do you value the wide receiver versus the rest of the field? And also all the off the field nonsense. Some of it on the field, Josh Norman, but it, it, it all is, all it came off the field. In terms of catching a football, running with a football, all those things, he's been spectacular when healthy. Deb Carson, what do you have? Oh no, I was I was just going to add to that. I mean, he's got a body of work. It's not like he he had a couple of great games. I mean, they they know the guy. He's been in the clubhouse. He's been with the team. Um, they know he's spectacular and electrifying, and that he also sells tickets. Yep, yep. Um, I, I just want to say this one thing. We haven't really talked about it. It's a bummer story, and so I don't want to. I don't want to bring you all down. But the the shooting at the Madden tournament, like there's. There's no greater term in the English lexicon than senseless violence to describe somebody losing in a Madden tournament than coming back and shooting up a Madden tournament. Now, I've told, like, I've played Madden since the very first Madden. You know, old school, I remember when the game came out. I was hanging out with some EA guys on Thursday. They had the special launch party for the new NBA Live. And they're like, well, how long have you played the NBA Live Series? And I was like, dude, I used to play Lakers versus Celtics and the NBA playoffs. That was the first NBA Live before it was NBA Live. The guy was like, oh, so you know the, you know the game. Yes, I know the game. And anyone who's played a video game where it's competitive among guys, you might have won a face-off with a buddy because you had, a, you, you know, you had an Atlanta Falcons type of lead over the Patriots and you... Drop the ball, and you decided, I'm going to keep going for it on fourth down, because that's what people do in video games. 
guy talks trash to you, you end up losing, and maybe you lose money or you just lose faith. But the face, but the idea that you'd come back and shoot up, like what are we, what are we doing? So again, my my question to you is always. Isn't the description of insanity doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result? How many times do we have to schools, places of work, now a Madden tournament before we go, hey, this current path we're on, not working. How about we try something different? Just awful. A Madden, are you kidding? A Madden tournament? The Patriots has some serious issues. But coming up next, I'll tell you why they'll be fine this year. This is the Doug Gottlieb Show. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. What up, Doug Gottlieb Show, Fox Sports Radio. Football season. Football season. Football season. Ah, I got your attention there, didn't I? Do you get the package... Yes. Do you watch Red Zone? Yes. Do you watch all the college football games? Yes. If you need me, I'll be watching football. This is the Doug Gottlieb Show here on Fox Sports Radio. Man, we are excited, excited, excited. Jordan Palmer is going to join us in 20 minutes. He is a quarterback guru. Uh, We're going to ask him about the pro guys, but also ask him about a couple of college guys. He knows all. Challenges knowledge of Shea Patterson, like, Feels to me like Shea Patterson, though a super athletic quarterback, uh, feels like the best quarterback that John Harbaugh, Jim, John, Jim Harbaugh has had since he's been back at his all moderate Michigan. We'll ask him about Shea Patterson. Also, not sure if you're aware, but USC is starting the truest of true freshmen. You guys know this story? Okay. So if you're not from Southern California, you may not know these the the name JT Daniels. JT Daniels should be, now he's older because everybody in Southern California keeps holds their kid back, but JT Daniels should be and could be a high school senior at modern day. And I think they won three straight titles while he was quarterback at modern day. And so instead of remaining at modern day, he, ba- he, said, he basically said like, look, I've done all that I can do. So I'm going to go to USC a year early. Now, it allowed many of us to, to think, hey, him going to USC a year early means that Sam Donald's gone, which is what happened. They all know each other. They all talk. But um, JT Daniels is the starting quarterback at USC as a kid who could be a, a high school senior. So we'll ask... Uh, We'll ask Jordan Palmer just how good JT Daniels is. Because, you know, they've had a couple of good ones, most notably his brother Carson at USC. I saw th- I saw this. Uh, Tom Brady said this about receivers. Certain things haven't worked out. Malcolm Mitchell released. Julian Edelman suspended. Um, they, uh, they're settling on Cordero Patterson, who's a deep threat, more of a they like him on those, uh, what are the end arounds called? Uh, oh, man. Anyway, Philip Dorr said who they traded for was a bit disappointing yesterday, uh, last year, coming over from the Colts, and Chris Hogan, who was injured last year. 
They're waiting for the return of Julian Edelman. Mike Reese of ESPN, who covers the Patriots, said they've they've been open to the idea of making a trade for Golden Tate. Michael Floyd, Brandon LaFell, Corey Coleman was even traded, but they thought the possibility of him becoming a Patriot, and they still haven't called Des Bryant. Tom Brady said this, I don't make those decisions for our team. I don't go there and tell them who I want. My job is to play quarterback, and whoever's here, that's who I have to make it work with. Certain things haven't worked out the way we would have hoped and players would have hoped, but that's football. I don't know who he's going to throw to. I don't know. I mean, I, I thought, I thought, uh, what's the kid's name? It was, it's also James Franklin, isn't it? The guy from Vanderbilt who they, uh, who they released with the Eagle, drafted by the Eagles and went to the Buffalo Bills. Jordan Matthews. Why well, I'm saying James Franklin is the coach of Penn State. Jordan Matthews. The problem is there's two Jordan Matthews. Jordan Matthews, I think, I played for my brother at Cal and then finished up at Gonzaga when they went to the National Championship game a year ago. That's another Jordan Matthews. Anyway, so Jordan Matthews, he got hurt. Bad hamstring pull. Wasn't as good as they thought. They got rid of him. Malcolm Mitchell, always banged up. Kenny Britt, always hurt. Gone. Eric Decker, too old. Retired. Couldn't catch the football. So they brought in a bunch of numbers of guys, and they don't look good. But you got Braxton Berrios. You got two really good running backs. You got Rob Gronkowski. And you figure it out. So which is it? Can I have, can I give you a different way of looking at it? This is just a little bit different way of looking at it. Now, you can tell me that they opened the season with the Texans at home, team loaded with talent and and they made playoffs. They made the playoffs without quality quarterback play. Now everybody thinks they got a quality quarterback in Deshaun Watson. They had the Jaguars on the road, who could have beaten them in New England in the AFC Championship game. They got the the Lions on the road before returning home to the Dolphins and the Colts and the Chiefs. You can tell me that, hey man, I don't like that starting schedule. Houston is hungry. Hungry. And they're coming in trying to make a statement. What if I told you that last year the Patriots got off to a 2-2 two and two start? Did it affect them? No. Nope. year before, Tom Brady was suspended for the first four games. They still were 3-1, and one, but did it affect them? No. They've gotten off to average starts. They've gotten off to great starts. But if I gave you this way of looking at their schedule, the game against Houston will be the first real live action Deshaun Watson will have seen. Miami and Houston, among their first four games, both have quarterbacks coming in off of torn ACLs. Indy, they have coming in. An indoor team has a quarterback who hadn't played in two years. Chicago's got a second Second-year quarterback who no one knows if he can play. The Chiefs have a second-year quarterback who everybody thinks has a ton of arm talent, but may well make some mistakes. I don't think anybody knows exactly what to think of Marcus Mariota. We all want him to be what we think he could be, but to this point he hasn't proven he can be that guy. And, oh, yeah, by the way, yes, they play Pittsburgh. Yes, they play Minnesota. Yes, they play Green Bay. Yes, they play Kansas City and Jacksonville. All really talented teams. 
in their division. They not only have Tannehill coming off an ACL, who no one's sure is all that good when he's healthy, but the Bills and the Jets are likely to start rookie quarterbacks. Half of the teams they face start a quarterback coming off of injury or is not yet proven, and the other half start rookie quarterbacks. With the exception of Green Bay, Minnesota, and Pittsburgh. The point is, you can tell me that this is the year that the Patriots fall off, and you might be right, but schedule does matter. I picked out for you why the Rams are going to lose week four in the NFL yesterday. Just like I'm picking out for you why, based upon schedule and the health of the players they're playing against, I'd be stunned if the Patriots don't win their division and probably have uh, um, a bye heading into the second weekend of those playoffs. Look at the quarterbacks they're playing against. And then look at the one that they have. And just like last year, where they were 2-2, two and two, or the year before, where they were 3-1, and one, if you can survive the first three weeks, Houston, Jayville, and Detroit, you got Miami and Indy and Kansas City back-to-back before heading to Chicago and Buffalo, and then Green Bay at home. Th- those, those next five games are all very, very winnable. Very winnable. So have all the fun you want with the serious problems they have, with the chatter about Alex Guerrero, and Guerrero now be be back on the team playing, on the sideline, Tom Brady hanging up on local radio hosts. But the reality of it is you're only as good as your quarterback play. Their quarterback play has been spectacular, and they're playing teams with guys coming off injuries or guys that are frankly unproven yet. No one's dismissing their problems, although those problems are made to be a lot bigger considering winning cures all ills. Tom Brady says, hey, I control what I can control. All right, coming up next, Jordan Palmer is going to join us. want to ask him about quarterbacks. What can I expect from Pat Mahomes? Feels like he can throw it a mile, but can he throw it to the right team? What about these rookie quarterbacks? Playing against teams that don't game plan, Lamar Jackson does not appear to be anywhere near ready. Baltimore's still going to throw him in? We'll get to that around the corner. But first, using True Car, you can easily find the car you want. True Price from True Car allows you to avoid the confusion you encounter online by getting a great price you can count on before you ever even visit a dealership. The True Price includes all dealer fees and accessories, and True Car will show you what other people in your area pay for the car you want. Haven't you ever wanted? Guy down the street gets the car you want. Ugh. Got the car you want. I wonder how much he paid. I wonder what he paid for all those accessories. True Price helps you find that out. Now you'll know what a fair price is. You're going to feel confident. And your certified dealer knows this, so they're going to set their True Price competitively. You're not going to pay more than he paid. You're going to pay less or the exact same as he paid. Now, over 3 million cars have been sold to True Car users via the True Car Certified Dealer Network, and there are over 15,000 True Car Certified Dealers nationwide. True Car dealers save, on average, over $3,000 off MSRP. So when you're ready to buy a new or used car and get a great price on it, visit True Car. They got True Price. You'll enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Reminder, some features not available in all states. Be sure to catch live editions of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at noon Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. Car shopping can be confusing with terms like dealer price, list price, and invoice price. True Car shows what other people paid for the car you want so you can recognize a good price. When you're ready to buy a new or used car, visit True Car and enjoy a more confident car buying experience. 
Doug Gottlieb Show, Fox Sports Radio. Uh, there is a dock drop that has occurred during this show. Uh, here's what's happened. Ohio State has dropped some documents in regards to their uh, to the um, investigation in regards to former assistant coach Zach Smith and the actions of Urban Meyer. And uh, some of it does, in fact, support some of the stance that Urban Meyer took. Look, I I wasn't with. I'm trying to think. Was I with? When did the when did the Urban Meyer thing go down? Did we do a show right afterwards? My days are so screwed up. Doing two shows a day for the first three days of last week. Here's what I said in regards to Urban Meyer. I I I do think the reason that they never said Courtney Smith's name at the press conference was twofold. One was. I think legally they they probably didn't want to more than anything. I, I feel like uh, that this was made into a bigger deal by Courtney Smith by going to Brett McMurphy, right? That's how he got his information. Fairly obvious, and there were no charges ever pressed. And if you don't press charges, you know, and if there was an investigation to which they did not. They did not interact with the investigators at all. People have asked all the time, why didn't Ohio State talk to Courtney Smith during, you know, during any of these allegations or during the investigation? Look at it the other way. Had they spoken to Courtney Smith, it would have at least looked as though, even if no matter what you say, if you talk to Courtney Smith, it can be taken as, hey, they're, they're trying to talk her out of pressing charges. They're trying to talk her out of this. They're trying to get information. They're trying to change the investigation. Right? That's what you would have thought. It is truly a no-win situation. So I I have thought all along that from Urban Meyer's perspective, based upon the information he had, he felt like he left it up to the authorities, and if the authorities chose to press charges, and if he had any information that this act, this happened, he would have fired him, but you can't act on an allegation. I think that's his perspective. Whether it's flawed or not flawed, that's what he felt like. Um, I don't think it was particularly strong to say he seemed to have some memory issues possibly caused by medication, right? <laughs> but I'll, the last point is this. Um, the woman who is the head of that committee, who spoke to the media the night to which Ohio State announced its findings and his three-game suspension. She has no ties to Ohio State. She's a former um, former New York State attorney. So she was brought in to head... Like, there's no, it's not like she's in the bag for Ohio State. She's going to make this determination. No, no, she's not an Urban Meyer fan club. She wanted to get it right. And based upon their findings, that's the, the decision they came to. We do this thing now to which we're like, we're not satisfied. Somebody does an investigation, they choose a punishment, and we're not satisfied by the punishment. But we will, we will, we will dive in, dive in to this cache of, uh, of documents that are being released by Ohio State and find out if he was lying, if they were covering up, if they were coercing, or if it is in fact, 
a dude who was in a was in a relationship gone bad, and his personal decline just happened to coincide with him going through a nasty, nasty divorce. And Urban Meyer interacting with, but not not stepping up as much as he should have during this ugly period of time. We'll get to that upcoming. Jordan Palmer trained some of the top quarterbacks in the country at the QB Summit. At QB Summit on Instagram or at Jordan Palmer. He joins us in the Doug Gottlieb Show on Fox Sports Radio. He's going to join us in a moment. Quarterback is the premier position in football. It's become increasingly important because you can't lay a hand on the quarterbacks. And now that we're seeing younger quarterbacks early, I'm, I'm wondering if it's a good thing or a bad thing to see some of these guys play right. seems like Darnold's going to start right away. Seems like that's the plan. Jordan, you think Sam's Sam is it's not necessarily that he's ready to start. Does he have a team around him that can protect him and allow him to really learn instead of running for his life? Well, you know, I think that the college game and the NFL game is different enough where it's it's getting to the point where it's almost a different sport, uh from college quarterback to NFL quarterback. So I you know, I don't think any any college kid coming out is, is just jumps in ready to play. But it's can they find success at an early age. The reason I say it's a different sport is largely because of the communication flow. So in college, if you think about it, like this weekend, watch college football games, you'll see all 11 guys on offense look to the sideline. There'll be a big card holding up with funny pictures on it. And then everyone will kind of look at the card, get the play, and then the quarterback will clap from gun. They'll receive the ball and they'll go. But in the NFL... You're getting it through the headset. You're repeating that information. You're hearing a long play call. You're repeating that long play call. One of these guys breaks the huddle. Is like, wait, what is it? You got to explain it to him. Then you got to decipher the defense. So there's, the communication is so much more comprehensive in the NFL than it is in college, which is it, that's the ultimate game. It's not can they catch up to the speed of the game or is their arm strong enough. It's can they actually receive and then disseminate that level of information in a timely manner. Okay, so let me let me get back to Sam Donald. Everyone seems to be uh, blown away by his ability to process all that information uh, like a, like a computer and then put it into play on the field. Considering he wasn't doing that last year, and he hasn't not like he's been a starting quarterback all that long, right? Like he didn't play quarterback the whole time when he was in high school, and he only started for a year and three quarters at USC. But let's go back. His offensive line stinks. His wide receiving core is average. Tight end. Tight end position, probably bottom five in the NFL. Running back, same thing. Like, do you feel comfortable with Sam Darnold going out there, taking a beating, and learning on the job, considering his supporting cast? Well, I mean, I, I think I'm, I'm confident in what Sam brings to the table physically. And we've seen a pattern here of the rookies that play well, the rookie year, a lot of it is tied to their ability to extend the play. And that may be because, they didn't really, it didn't hit them right or they didn't read it quick enough or they didn't get their eyes to the right place at the right time. And so they have to extend the play or the receivers can't get open, their running back missed protection or their old line can't block. And it's really a combination of the two, right? Mm-hmm. And, and so a quarterback's ability to extend the play. And that does not mean running a 4-3 and getting the edge and diving for a first down. I mean, Tom Brady extends the play by shuffling to the right one step at the perfect time. So the rookies that are playing well, they are extending the play, and uh, it's giving them an opportunity to continue to make decisions and get the ball out of their hands and, and deliver it accurately. So Sam's game naturally translates to that. Just like I worked with Deshaun Watson the year before, 
and his that his game naturally translated to what he did put on the field in Houston. I watched the tape with Deshaun. He didn't read every play right. He didn't know the offense as well as Bill O'Brien, but he made it happen, and a lot of it was extending the play. So I think I, I don't disagree with your assessment of the Jets, and it's too early. I don't agree either, but I do believe I, I do have a lot of confidence in Sam's ability to extend the play and and find a positive outcome at the end of every play. Okay, so let, let's go to Deshaun Watson. You mentioned his ability to extend the play, but now he suffered two ACL injuries. How much should that change his approach? Zero. Absolutely none. He changed, he bruised me out of freshman year of college, played the exact same way, um, and was asked to do a lot more physically. I mean, he was, he was getting carries in college. He wasn't running the ball, he was getting carries. Um, I don't think it changes a thing, um, the way he plays. He's going to continue to get smarter on when to get down and, um, and when to throw it away just because quarterbacks do. I, I have a belief that quarterbacks get really good at the things that they have to do to survive. And with Peyton Manning at the end of his career, that was being unbelievable pre-snap. Because at the end, he couldn't throw it that great, and he couldn't move that great. So he had to be—he had to get his play in the his team in the perfect play every snap. Mm-hmm. And with Deshaun last year, it was moving around, buying time, making it happen. His O line struggled. Named the tight end for the Houston Texans. He had star power other places, but it was the same thing. It was buying time, extending the play. Uh, and I think that that part's not going to change. He'll just continue to get smarter and more mature in his game uh, as it pertains to when to, how to protect himself. But I don't think it changes anything. I, just, I think Deshaun just, just takes storm this year. Am, am I crazy? I, I said on TV, this is like two weeks ago, I was like, look, I think he can change kind of the, the quarterback position because of his ability to use what some have deemed a college offense or high school offense, be successful with it. Um, come back from a knee injury. He's got an incredible leadership quality. Ask anybody who's been around him. Um, he, he learns as he go. He continues to learn, continues to evolve as a player. I'm buying the stock of Deshaun Watson even after the injury. Am I crazy to do so? No, you know, if you, if you were like had blindfolded me last season and you didn't tell me how he did on the field, I, I, I would have the same answer. I, I didn't say this publicly. Dave O'Sweeney said it, but I definitely said it to a couple of teams. Dave O'Sweeney's right. Kids, Michael Jordan. I know how like bold that is, and all that stuff. I'm just saying, people don't think the way Deshaun thinks. When he the adversity he when he plays plays Alabama back to back years, that's not adversity to him. Adversity is how he grew up. Adversity was the first 17 years of his life. So when he plays Alabama or last year at Seattle, he goes off. At New England, second start goes off. His defense lost both those games for them. They allowed the quarterback, the opposing quarterback, to drive down and score a touchdown in the two minutes left. Otherwise, he's two and zero in those two games. The way he thinks, the way he processes information, what I had said all along during the draft process is, as good of a college player he is, he's going to be a significantly better pro. And the reason is not because he has an elite arm or he's enormous or he's super fast. He's not. His physical comp is Alex Smith. He's the same size, similar arm talent. They both ran high four six, low four seven. Like he, he, that's his comp. But mentally, he thinks about the world differently. He genuinely believes he's the greatest athlete on the planet. But he's so humble and likable and smiles so much that you don't. Re- a lot of people don't pick up on that killer instinct until they get in the huddle with him. And then the part that I got exposure to, and the reason I say he's gonna be a better pro than college player, is because he is one of the smartest players I've ever worked with. 
He was on honor roll in third grade all the way through Dean's list at Clemson, and he graduated in less than three years, and he did all the work himself. So he's actually off the charts intelligent. And in college, you know, at Clemson, their plays, some of them were really, really simple. You know, F mode or red, right, boomer, just a couple of words. But in, in Bill O'Brien's offense, it's super comprehensive. So the reason I say he's a better pro than college player is because he has more resources. Mm. Now Bill can give him two plays. Run past check with me away from rotation. Run the ball to the shade. Like he has, he has more options and more resources. And I think he's, he ain't going to peak for three or four years. And I think in the meantime, he's going to ball. Jordan Palmer joining us in the Doug Gottlieb show, Fox Sports Radio. Baker Mayfield struggled as of late, looked good early. Um, I don't know. To me, I talked to all these NFL people and they're like, look, he processes it super fast. He is a good leader. He's just little, not a great athlete. And his arm has some pop, but it's not like he's he's not like he's Russell Wilson back there. What are your thoughts on what we've seen from Baker so far? You know, I think uh, Baker's a hard one to gauge, but uh, I'm under the impression with quarterbacks in general that confidence is the most important trait in a quarterback because it's actually the root of everything. Everything can get boiled down to are you confident enough in your ability to do that or not? And because of where Baker is from a confidence standpoint. And I think there's two types of confidence. There's self-generated confidence and there's reactionary confidence. Reactionary confidence is you believe everything that everybody says about you. If everyone says you're awesome, you think you're awesome. If everybody thinks you're a bum, you, you doubt yourself. Self-generated confidence is the type of confidence where it doesn't even matter what anybody says about you. You believe certain things about yourself. Baker is off the charts on self-generated confidence. And I am only saying this in a positive light. This, mm-hmm. is, this is an amazing thing. If I had a drill for this, I'd make three kids do it. Um, because of where he's at on that spectrum, his arm is better than everybody thinks. He's athletic enough to extend the play. But because his confidence is where he is, I just I find it really hard to bet against him. I think the situation's interesting. You know, he's at the beginning of his career. I talked about this with Colin Cowherd last week. His coaching staff is a lot of them are on a one-year deal, so you know theoretically or, figure, or, or or realistically. So there's a lot of interesting aspects of what's happening in Cleveland right now that may or may not may work for or against him. But the reality is, he's such a unique character in terms of the confidence that he plays with, how he shows up on game day. I just he's just a guy that I'm, I'm just not going to bet against, and my bet is that he figures it out and he surprises everybody just like he did at Texas Tech in Oklahoma. I mean, again, this kid was a walk-on twice, yep. Heisman finalist three times. No, it's, I, don't it's, know, I don't know that we'll see it again. It's, it's, it's really, really remarkable. Jordan Palmer joining us on the Doug Gottlieb Show here, here on Fox Sports Radio at QB Summit. You can follow him on Instagram or at Jordan Palmer as well. Uh, I want to ask you about a couple of the college kids because this is a purely college weekend. Let's start with a guy that everyone in the SEC knows a little bit about. I think people nationally are going to learn about. Um, give me your sense for your expectations on Drew Locke. You know, Drew's one of those guys who's just flown under the radar. Most people, eh, people are football fans. They wouldn't know who he is. But uh, I'm going to get this wrong, so somebody check this. But I think he led the SEC, broke an SEC record for yards last year. Or, uh, he's done some things that are um, – that are, that are upper echelon and, and record-breaking. If he stays healthy all these games, he'll have more starts than any SEC quarterback. There's a couple of these little things where you go, man, that's interesting, but he plays in Missouri. Um, I, I'm excited to watch him 
have big moments against big teams. Um, I don't know how what the team's going to look like this year. I, I don't know a ton about Missouri and defense and, and the program and all that stuff. Um, but in terms of individual talent, um, you know, Drew and, and uh, among two or three other guys are the standard this year in the SEC. And if I'm if I'm a, a big SEC, if I'm a Bama, an Auburn, any of those fans, I'm certainly concerned with playing Missouri because they do have a quarterback who can score as many points as possible. And confidence-wise, uh, is going to feel like the best player on the field and is going to play accordingly. And I'm fired up for, for Drew's name to kind of catch fire and to watch everybody jump on the bandwagon. All right, uh, you mentioned Auburn and how they should feel. They got Jared Stidham, who, of course, transferred in from Baylor. They open up this weekend with Washington. Huge game for UW, kind of the entire Pac-12 uh, and and their legitimacy on the line. Uh, Stidham had some moments last year, but then he had some moments of just being okay. What are your thoughts on what we expect from him this season? Well, I'm excited for Jarrett because, um, you know, with Carrion Johnson, their running back last year leaving, and he accounted for a lot of touches for them, mm-hmm. made up a lot of their offense. Uh, it's putting... You know, Gus Malzahn, it's, he just, all he wants to do is run the football every single play, run it twice on the play if he could. Um, you know, he's in a position now with carry on leaving, Jarrett taking on a leader, you know, more of the leadership role and owning the offense. Got some really talented receivers, but they're going to have to throw it more. Um, and, it, uh, and the Auburn Tigers allowing Jarrett to control more of the offense is a really good thing. He's really talented. Uh, really good understanding of the game. He's played in two different systems. Uh, Chip Lindsey, that, that offensive coordinator, very cerebral, great decision maker. Um, so I'm excited to watch Auburn shift from run heavy to hopefully putting more on Jarrett, uh, because he's certainly capable of, of being, uh, the best quarterback in the country and, uh, and the top pick in next year's draft. I'd say Drew's right there. At both those guys are up. The conversation will be about those two guys. All right. La- um, la- last one is is JT Daniels. And look, uh, your brother obviously starred there, and he he kind of reinvigorated, you know, the, uh, the, uh, the 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 luster of the quarterback position. But we've seen Orange County kids like Todd, Todd Brnovich, Say what you want about what happened with drugs and alcohol after after USC, and maybe sometimes during USC. But that was with the Raiders. He was a spectacular talent with SC. We've seen Mark Sanchez. We've seen Matt Barkley. Um, we've seen Matt Leinert. Um, J- JT Daniels could be in high school as a senior. Instead, he's the starting quarterback at USC. Who of those all-timers at SC is he like? Uh, none of them. And, and I'm really trying to control expectations. I've turned down a lot of interviews about JT. I do not want to create expectations. I definitely feel he's on a different trajectory than anybody I've ever been around. I started working with him in seventh grade, and I don't really work with seventh graders. Uh, I noticed some unique traits very early on. None of them were physical, all mental, the way that he thinks about the game, the commitment that he has to the game. And he has a giant head start. He has been around a lot of the best quarterbacks in the world. So, Perfect example, last year he won Gatorade Player of the Year, and Deshaun Watson, through a video conference, presented him the award. It's a Gatorade appearance for Deshaun. It's a normal thing. Any high school kid would think that is the coolest thing in the world. When that happened, he had thrown with Deshaun, said my stuff, 40 times. This guy has been exposed to so much good football for so many years, and he's just, for 18, he is just thinking about things the right way. So... I've been around Carson and Sanchez and Barkley and all these guys and Leinert. 
JT is in a unique position where he actually, I don't, like he has no ceiling and the floor is really high. So I don't want to, I'm not making predictions or anything, but I, I do have a feeling he's going to be one of the best players in the country this year. All right. Great stuff as always. Jordan, I can talk football with you all the time. Matter of fact, I need to shoot up to your, uh, your office, it's literally five minutes from my house. We'll, I'll do That's so. What I, heard. In, in, I know. In the coming weeks, I'll do so. I'll grab some. You tell me what kind of coffee. I'll grab it. We'll talk, Paul. In the meantime, thanks for joining us. Thanks a lot. Jordan Palmer at QB Summit. You can follow them on Instagram or at Jordan Palmer. By the way, JT Deanna's, again, these are high school numbers 152 touchdowns, 14 interceptions. 152 touchdowns, 14 interceptions. And oh, yeah, by the way, um, they uh, last year they won the consensus national championship. They didn't trail at any point in the season. Won every game by at least ten points. <laughs> Let's get to Dev Carson. Find out what else is going on in sports. Well, Doug, you alerted, alluded to it earlier, and we're still uh, combing through the documents. But several documents have been released regarding the Urban Meyer and Zach Smith situation. So we will keep everybody posted on that as we go through those. But uh, Yahoo Sports is reporting that despite Meyer being suspended until September 3rd and not allowed to coach Ohio State's first three games of the season, Meyer was allowed to meet with the team last week for about 45 minutes so players and staff could hear from him and so that he could uh, go over the interim leadership plans during the suspension period. NFL news, the Bengals are finalizing a four-year extension with defensive tackle Geno Atkins and of course uh, the Jets excuse me, the Giants got a huge item off their to-do list, signing receiver Odell Beckham Jr. to a five-year $95 million extension reported 65 mil of that guaranteed, so is Odell feeling any extra pressure? I don't know if it's any extra responsibility that I didn't already you know, kind of put on myself going into this year, year five being a vet I couldn't say it was any extra, but um, I know that my goals are, if not the same, higher. I just want to be able to be my very, very best. And staying in the NFC East, good news for Cowboys fans. Right guard Zach Martin did participate in practice today for the first time since hyperextending his knee in Dallas's August 18th preseason game. Doug? All right, so you mentioned, have you been reviewing this stuff, Dev? I know you're, like, for people don't understand, Dev has more than just us to talk to. Have you, is there any smoking gun in here that makes them look good, makes them look bad? It's really hard for me to review while we're doing the radio. No, e- exactly. And I'm kind of uh, doing the same thing. There are texts from Shelly Meyer where she addresses concerns for Zach Smith. I'm kind of looking at those. Urban that's Meyer's right. personnel document is in there, uh, his personnel file. So obviously that's going to take a, a, a lot of time to, to go through. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I'll, I'll try to keep an, an eye on all of this, uh, too. The, the, the titles of all the documents of, documents, of course, are, are titillating. I did look through, uh, one of the documents and it, it appears Zach Smith also had a problem paying for cell phones that he kept getting from IT. And finally, after not paying for the first two, he was not issued a third one until he paid for the first two. So, um, that's yeah. just a, an additional little character issue. Yeah, no, he's <laughs> not, not, not the greatest employee in the world. No. Again, I, I just, um, it, it's what did he know? When what did Urban know? What did he? When did he know it? And what did he do about exactly. it? Exactly continues to be the question. Coming up next is Manu Ginobili, a Hall of Famer. We'll discuss on the Doug Gottlieb Show. Be sure to catch live editions of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at noon Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific. Online shopping can be confusing. Well, not anymore. With True Price from True Car, now you can know the exact price you'll pay for your next car. So visit True Car and enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Jack to the block, Snoop. Doug Gottlieb Show, Fox Sports Radio. 
You can tweet us at Gottlieb Show at Music Sports. That's at M U S I C K Reports. Uh, and at J S Ramos Ramos 06 or at Fox, Fox Sports Radio if you want to get a hold of us. And now. <laughs> what does the Fox say? Uh, earlier on Fox Sports Radio, and this is what we do for you every day at this time, play free portion of Fox Sports Radio, Fox Sports TV, something we found, something we heard, something we wanted to argue or discuss. Ben Maller has his own show. Uh, it's a good one. It's been on for a long time here on Fox Sports Radio. And then he said this. You would think that Ginobili is one of like the ten greatest players in the history of basketball. He's not. All right, let's have some perspective on this. Unlike the reactionary types, uh, I will not. I will not fall into that trap. All right. I will be the grown up in the room. Manu Ginobili. Let's call him what he is: a supporting actor. Right? He has been the benefactor of location, 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 and. You know, there's a saying that you know, guilt by association, right? Your parents will tell you don't hang out with shady characters because just by hanging out with them, you can get in trouble. Guilt by association, right? There's also this thing called praise by association, and Manu Ginobili is the benefactor of that, praise by association. And no matter how much you pout and shout and huff and puff, uh, Ginobili's body of work in the NBA is not that of a Hall of Fame player. There's a lot of people that are being a prisoner of the moment. Uh, he's a Hall of Fame player. He's going to be a Hall of Fame player. Now, it, it is also important to mention that part of part of the argument to make Manu Ginobili a Hall of Fame player is his international success. And when I say international success, I'm not just talking about the Olympics where he won a gold medal. And, oh, yeah, by the way, uh, when they won the silver at the World Championships in Indianapolis, they were the first international team to take down a Team USA full of NBA players. That happened. Then they lost in overtime to Yugoslavia. Um, he was also successful as a European player, winning two EuroLeague championships and a EuroLeague MVP and an Italian League MVP. And so, no, he never averaged more than 20 points a game. Matter of fact, the most he averaged was 19.5 points a game. That was also the year that he split starting. Uh, He's been a starter, he's been a bench player, and everywhere he's been, he's won. I've said this before, and I'll say it again. He's a better overall player than Dirk Nowitzki. Dirk's a go-to scorer, and a great one. Been a great one for a long time. But Dirk didn't play a lick of defense. Dirk's not really a passer. Heck, Dirk's not really even a rebounder. Manu brought... The Euro step to the NBA, a little bit of flopping to the NBA, also incredible defensive and offensive versatility to the NBA. And everywhere he's been, he's won. And what happens is there are stat guys that go like, well, he never averaged 20 a game. Like, okay, like the year he averaged 19 and a half a game, he played 31 minutes. He never averaged 31 minutes ever, ever in his career after that. Ever. So it's simple proration. Anyone with a brain that knows anything about sports goes like, well, look, if a dude averages, you know, 16 a game playing 29 minutes a game, he would probably average 20 if he played 36 or 38 minutes a game. Wouldn't he? Of course he would. (laughs) Of course he would. But the reason you play basketball, the reason that you play cards, the reason that you play billiards, the reason that you play football, the reason you play baseball. Last time I checked, the reason you play a sport is, one, you love the sport, two, you want to win. You won four NBA titles. 
He won two European championships. He won a gold medal. And he did so with Argentina. And if the goal is to win, and he's a winning player, and it's not like he's a five-minute-a-game. Like, even Steve Kerr, who I love and probably... But Steve Kerr would tell you he gets more credit than he deserves for his time with the Spurs, which he was a backup or even third-string point guard. Mono did all of those things, and everywhere he went, he won. What does the fuck say? Yes, Ryan Music. So what you're saying is, with Ginobili, the reason he's without a doubt getting in the Pro Basketball Hall of Fame is because it's things, you know, outside of what he just did within the NBA. Because within the NBA, just his NBA career alone wouldn't merit Hall of Fame, correct? Because um, he was only sort of like a bench player, although he played some key roles. He was never really the guy who did enough in the NBA alone. I don't know. Like, how, how different is he than Scottie Pippen? Like, right? We consider Scottie Pippen one of the top 50 players of all time, and Jordan did all, Jordan did the scoring. And people would fall back on, well, Scottie Pippen, they did go to the Eastern Conference Finals, um, and had the number one seed in the East the one year he didn't play. Sure. I mean, they're, he's, he's basically Scottie Pippen. You know, Tim Duncan is probably underrated all time with his success. I don't know how well Tim Duncan would trans, translate now, whereas I do think Monte Ginobili could play now in his prime. He'd be great. He'd be even better now than he was when he was great, when he's healthy, when he's younger. But I, I think he's a lot better than people are giving him credit. He was not. He's not even. He's had. He had. A, he had a greater influence on the game than Robert Ory did. He was not a. He was a sixth man who finished games. He wasn't a starter. He was a finisher, and he was a damn good one at that. So was he the best player on the team? No. The problem was he was playing next to one of the. Greatest players in the last 25 years in the sport in Tim Duncan. And he was the second best player on most of the team. Sometimes Tony Parker, who's another Hall of Famer. They're, they're awesome. They're awesome. But, yeah, I'd rather have I'd rather have him than Dirk. I'm just going to disrespect to Dirk, but you will notice that Dirk's team's got knocked down the first round a whole bunch of times with a whole bunch of other players because Dirk doesn't do the other things. If it's just about scoring, take Dirk. No one's going to argue about that. Uh, I was just off the phone with my wife. She was asking about this weekend. The negotiations have begun. They've also begun for the next CBA in the NFL. Don't believe me? I'll prove it to you next on the Doug Gottlieb Show. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. I do like arguing with people on Twitter. Right? They're like, oh, you're crazy. I'd much rather have Dirk than Manu. That's cool. That's awesome. Good for you. I wouldn't. I like to win. Manu knows how to win. Well, he wasn't the go-to guy. Like, okay, it's good. Like, if you want a go-to guy, then Dirk's probably your better go-to scorer. But as a go-to scorer, like, look, if Dirk Nowitzki, if Dirk Nowitzki is is um, mostly, I would never. No one's ever solely responsible, right? I don't I don't I hate that. Like, he's not solely responsible for the Dallas Mavericks and their lone NBA championship. Of course, they were in two NBA finals. But if Dirk Nowitzki is responsible for that, that's okay. Uh, you do know that Dirk Nowitzki has lost one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight times in the first round of the NBA playoffs. And if you want to say that he's over the hill since they won the NBA championship, like, all right, 
cool. So um, they never went to a conference finals outside. They made t- finals twice, no conference finals before that. Second round, second round, conference finals. First round, second round, finals. First round, first round, conference semis. First round, finals, first round. Dirk is really, really good. He's been a tremendous scorer. Tremendous. I am not in any way taking away from Dirk Nowitzki's ability to score a basketball. It's a hard thing to do. I would even argue it's the hardest thing to do in the sport is to carry your team offensively. The other hard thing to do is to be a a guy who can play any position, can guard any position seemingly, and can also score at the end of games. That's what Manu was. Like If you're going to give Dirk credit for the finals and for the championship, that's cool. You also have to give him credit for losing in the first round. right? So since, let's just go since 2003. Since 2003, they've lost in the first round eight times. They've lost in the second round twice, and they've been to the finals twice, one at once. That's since 2003. That's the last 15 years, correct? Is my math okay there, Ramos? Last sounds, 15 years? Yep, sounds about right. Okay, I just want to make sure. <laughs> now, I'm going to grant you that he played, that that uh, Manu played with an all-time great player in Tim Duncan, and I think Tony Parker even gets marginalized by him. And they've lost in the first round four times. They've also won the NBA Finals four times, lost in the Finals once. Uh, Lost in the Conference Finals two other times. My deal is this. We just don't know how to truly quantify how important your play in the fourth quarter is, your versatility is, your ability to set up teammates is, and your ability to play defense is. Here's the here's the, the the easiest part of of the argument, right? Easiest and best part of the argument. I like Nick Wright. I really do. Um, he's a friend, and he loves the use of advanced stats. Loves it. This guy named Andrew Bailey that says Manu has a big advantage in plus minus to Dirk Nowitzki, a slight one in win shares per 48 minutes. Dirk has a huge lead in cumulative stats. Manu has more titles. Dirk has way more individual honors. Going with Dirk in large part because of his roles. In other words, if you look, if you look at the advanced metrics, they would tell you that Manu Ginobili is a slightly better player than Dirk Nowitzki. If you look at the, some advanced metrics. And then, of course, Nick Wright says, well, that's the problem with advanced stats. But wait, most of your arguments are based upon advanced stats. Either you do or you don't like them. No, no, I don't like those ones because those ones don't work for me. And look, I, here's where I'll give them credit. We all do this with the Bible. Well, it says in the Bible. There's a lot of things it says in the Bible. Which Bible are you using? Which which chapter? Which verse? You know, there's there's anti-seemingly everything in the Bible. Heck, you go to some one book of the Bible and you can't wear clothes of two different cloth, Right. Or you'd be stoned. Ah, ever been divorced? Guess guess what book frowns upon divorce? That would be the Bible. 
There's enslavement. There's human sacrifice. There's some stuff in the Bible that we just go like, ah, we're going to gloss over that. We're going to get to the John 3.16 thing because that one's a really good one. Can we just kind of be honest? Can we call it like it is? It's cool. We do it. We do it with the Constitution. I like this amendment. I don't like that one. Okay. I like this part. I don't like that part. All right. Long as you're okay, like as long as you're okay with understanding there's a certain amount of hypocrisy too. I use advanced metrics to make an argument, except when it doesn't support my argument. I'm all right. I'll I'll play along. This is the Doug Gottlieb Show on Fox Sports Radio. Fox Sports Radio. The negotiations have begun. The collective bargaining agreement's not up for a couple of years. But what we've heard from NFL players is, man, we want more money. Man, these preseason games stink. Ownership doesn't understand how much we need more money, more guarantees, less preceding games where guys get hurt. Jerry Jones says, hey, I've had a solution all along. This is Jerry Jones, owner of the Cowboys, on a Dallas radio station. My solution is real simple. is cut back on preseason games, have one at each team's home, play a couple of them, and then you need to add two games to the regular season, which I've been a proponent of for several years. It's probably physically better for players than it is to have the longer preseason, the longer practicing. Our studies show that uh, we actually have a ramped-up injury situation with players during preseason. Hmm. I'd like to see those studies, Jer. Our studies show... What about the players that actually matter? Because most of them don't play in the preseason games. So are we talking about, like, there's more guys, so you're going to have more injuries. Like, there's 90 guys in the roster. Stands the reason there's going to be more injuries with 90 guys in the roster, isn't there? They're hitting less, there's less practice. This, to me, feels just like Jerry Jones is setting up the argument for, hey, you guys want more money? I got the more money. 18 games. You you remember last time around with the collective bargaining agreement that was floated out there and NFL players quickly shot it down. We can't play more games. We can't play more games. So whether they get to 18 or don't get to 18, they might well add another wild card game. They might add another game in the regular season. It does. It it does help also paint a picture for uh, the idea that one NFL owners are only talking about money. This is a business to them. And the way to stay ahead of the business is to uh, plant your feet in the ground and set a baseline or set up a ceiling or a floor for negotiations for the future. And he said, like, look, I'm willing to talk about all this other stuff. Anthem, sure, you can have it. You can have Anthem. Yeah, a little bit more guaranteed money. We can figure out a way to make expand rosters. You know what we want? We want something back in return. Anyone who thinks that the NFL owners are just going to go like, hey, what do you want? Here you go. It's not the way it works. Don't work that way at home, does it? <laughs> Your wife? I would love to think that I go home and I was like, honey, what do you want for dinner? What do you want to do after dinner? What can I possibly? Like, this, this Ozzy and Harriet stuff, that doesn't play anymore, man. At least in my house. Here's what we're doing. Yes, yes ma'am. That's what I feel like at home. So when you're getting ready... For the weekend, you can go Jerry Jones and go like, well, I'm going to watch football from noon Saturday until I go to sleep. As a Jerry, This is Jerry Jones style of negotiations, Ramos. 
is Jerry Jones would say, hey, you know what you should do? Uh, honey, I'm going to watch football from 10 o'clock on Saturday until I go to sleep on Saturday. And then she would say, she would say, no, you're not. And you'd start to negotiate. And eventually you'd work your way around to, I'm just going to watch Notre Dame, Michigan. She thinks she won when really you got what you want. That's also base, happens all the time in baseball, right? How's the Scott Boris? Scott Boris says the guy's worth $300 million. Team signs it for $225 million. And they're like, man, we got a discount. Or you just paid $225 million. Jason Powell tweets the show, Your Bible argument carries no weight and shows you've never really read it. It is a book of two covenants. Two clause is old covenant. Yeah, that's actually the one I have read. The new one's a good one, too, I've heard. I haven't read it. Not going to lie to you and say I have. Also, no, my people don't follow it. And uh, there's a certain game of telephone that's involved in it, right? He said that he said that he said that he said. I do know there's some stuff in there that you probably wish wasn't in there. Has any, do you know anybody who's read the Bible cover to cover? Ramos, do you? Uh, I don't know him personally, but I think there have, I'm sure there are people out there that has, have done that. I don't know him personally. I started on Genesis for a while, just kind of, you know, thumbing through that. It was interesting. I, I've read, I've read parts of the Bible. The Old Testament. Uh, old, yeah. I've read, I've read parts of the Old Bible, read parts of the New Testament. You know, like who hasn't sure. been bored in a hotel room, open up the drawer and be like, yeah, I'll pick out a couple of things and read about it. Okay, now I'm totally lost in this book. It's not, doesn't read like a Clancy novel. Really doesn't. Where's Jack Ryan in this thing? Why is there no CIA? Man, Clancy really gets lost in describing the weaponry. And this doesn't happen at all. There's no, it's just not a descriptive piece of text. But I'm not going to sit here and lie to you and tell you I've read every chapter. I do know there's some stuff in there that you can pick and choose what you like and what you don't like. The inside story on steroids in baseball. You'll be stunned. Or maybe you won't. Coming up next. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. Online shopping can be confusing. Well, not anymore. With True Price from True Car, now you can know the exact price you'll pay for your next car. So visit True Car and enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Doug Gottlieb Show, Fox Sports Radio. There is a new book out, and uh, it talks. It takes you deep inside the world of performance-enhancing drugs, steroids, in baseball. And uh, the, the author is a guy named Eddie Dominguez, a former detective uh, with the Boston Police Department. He also worked for Major League Baseball, first as a resident security agent for the Red Sox, and then as an officer for the league's newly founded Department of Investigations, He's kind enough to spend some time with us here on the Doug Gottlieb Show. Eddie, why write the book? Hey, Doug, how are you? Um, We wrote Baseball Cup, or I wrote Baseball Cup, because I I wanted people to look behind the curtain, behind uh, the commissioner's office curtain, and see what's going on. Uh, I I joined the Department of Investigations after working for the Security Department because I I saw that Senator Mitchell's report – gave me some, some hope that uh, the things that I witnessed in the security department uh, were going to stop happening. And uh, that's why I joined, and that's, and that's I wrote my book to tell the story as to, as to what happened. All right, the, the problem is, though, that when you tell the story, this is what happens. We, you know this. When you tell a story, 
We use, even when you expose what other people are doing, you're not doing anything wrong yourself, what other people are doing, you're called words like rat, and snitch, and fink, right? You're, you're, you're not the one taking steroids. You're only exposing the kind of truth behind the curtain. There had to be some fear. All these relationships that you had in the sport, um, and even uh, in, in the department of investigations, were, were they called into question because you chose to write this book? I, I'm out of baseball. I've been out of baseball since 2014. Um, I, I joined um, the Department of Investigations after being asked uh, two separate occasions to join the security department, like I just said a minute ago, because I thought I could make a difference. I thought I could, I could um, you know, look into the questions, into the things happening with the integrity of the game and make, make a change, a positive change. And I'm I'm not too concerned as to... You know what people may think. Um, I think if you read the book, uh, you'll see why I wrote it. There, there's p- part of this. A big part of this is that you you deconstruct um, all in the biogenesis investigation, right? And biogenesis for people who don't remember, like, wait, which one was that? That was the Melky Cabrera, Ryan Braun, Alex Rodriguez. This is after the steroid era was supposedly over, right? A- after the the Mitchell investigation uh, had had you know, the testing that wasn't supposed to leak out. How did the biogenesis thing come to be? Biogenesis investigation um, really started. The, the head guy was a guy by the name of Anthony Bosch. And uh, we got wind of Anthony Bosch back in 2009. I joined uh, DOI in 2008 uh, when Manny Ramirez tested positive. Uh, we looked into him and we looked into his father, Pedro Bosch, who was a doctor, uh, was a doctor in Cuba and then came here and was a doctor along with his wife. Uh, we didn't get far. We worked. Uh, one of the things that Senator Mitchell says for us to work hand in hand with law enforcement, and we did. And we brought it to them, and they dug as far as they could. Nothing could come up. And then later on, like you just mentioned, Melky Cabrera tested positive, and then we started getting some inroads into who Anthony Bosch was. Uh, we were able to get informants and sources and people that could make phone calls into the distributor. Uh, and we brought the case to the DEA in Florida, in Miami. And uh, we assisted them, and they, they ran with the investigation and went up on phones. And and one of the parts of this book, which is most fascinating, is uh, an unprecedented look at the 2013 arbitration testimony with Tony Bosch, Anthony Bosch you were talking about, Rob Manfred, who, of course, commissioner of baseball. And this is during Alex Rodriguez's historic uh, appeal during his historic season-long ban for violating MLB's collectively bargained drug agreement, uh, how intertwined was A-Rod with this investigation? Well, A-Rod, from the moment I walked into the Department of Investigations in 2008, he was always uh, the number one villain. Uh, He was uh, the guy that, you know, Bud Selig and Rob Manfred wanted, and they wanted him in a bad way. So he was always the center of our attention, even though we uncovered a lot of different things, and you can read in Baseball Cop about the things that we did and, you know, and kidnappings all over uh, Latin America, uh, domestic violence, um, human trafficking, uh, bonus skimming, where a lot of the scouts were taking money from Dominican and Venezuelan players, they're signing bonuses, stealing it from them, and HID uh, fraud, which is very common in, in the Latin American countries. Yeah, it's interesting because, look, I, I caught heat last year from people when I said, "Look, this there's, um, uh, this is no no disrespect." There's a certain major league baseball player who, at the time, was uh, 37 years old, and um, 
I was talking about Adrian Beltre, who had 3,000 hits, and up until that point, his he, his production hadn't fallen off. I was like, look, there's a his, historically, especially over the last 30 years in baseball, you look at players that come from the Dominican Republic, and yes, there was a t- there's they were older, and many of them used performance enhancing drugs, and when they needed it, they went back home for it. Has that changed at all? As 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 the Mitchell investigation, the biogenesis investigation, has that changed? Uh, the, the, the thought or maybe the usage level in Major League Baseball with Dominican players specifically? Um, I, I mean, I can't speak to, I've been out of baseball for four years, so I don't know the stats today, but I know that, you know, they re, Major League Baseball reports, uh, whenever a 40 man roster player, um, gets found with, you know, using PEDs and, and the numbers are just, to me, astronomically low. And the reason is, uh, and according to Anthony Bosch, who, as you just mentioned, at the arbitration hearings, was used as the expert witness for Major League Baseball. And we interviewed him. We interviewed him recently. Um, I think we had the first interview uh, once he got out of jail. And he, in the interview, tells us that he believes that 70 to 75% of players use performance-enhancing substances in Major League Baseball. And he also goes on to tell us that um, testing, uh, and he said that baseball has the best uh, of a worse system uh, as far as, you know, testing goes. And he claims, and rightly so, uh, that if you follow his protocol, that you would never get caught uh, by testing. And if you go back to biogenesis, 14 players were suspended, and only one of them tested positive. A-Rod never tested positive. Yeah, it's it's kind of amazing that A-Rod never tested positive, was twice suspended, then the Yankees get rid of him a, two years ago, and now he's like the face of baseball on ESPN and on Fox. Like that's a remarkable personal turnaround. Is that is the answer to everything J Lo? Right? If he had J Lo when he's in baseball, it's it's over. It's a wrap, and and the Fed nobody investigates. Uh, I, I I can't answer that. I'm I'm not sure about that. But, okay, uh, uh, let's 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 go all the way back. Mitchell report. Like again. You had inner workings with baseball with the Red Sox, and look, look, you investigated David Ortiz for gambling, but also David Ortiz, the guy who who got mentioned in the Mitchell report after those names were leaked. Like how how much was this a part of the Red Sox and their rise to prominence? I really, I mean, you know, I wasn't in that department during during that time, uh, so I can't really tell you because I wasn't investigating them at that time. So it's it's tough for me to to, to take a guess in that. And as far as, you know, what's in the book, as far as the gambling, I mean, I I investigated a guy that was, you know, was with him that was gambling. You know, at no point did we have information that it was David himself gambling. Okay, so the big takeaways for somebody who's going to pick up the book, uh, it's a tell-all book. Eddie Dominguez is our guest here on the Doug Gottlieb Show on Fox Sports Radio. It's called Baseball Cops, a fascinating look into the inner workings of Major League Baseball, PED investigations, and, and human trafficking, right? So... Wait, how did this human trafficking thing work? Like, how did it work to where these these guys from Cuba and from other Latin American countries uh, would 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 lose their their signing bonuses, all you know, chasing chasing baseball as a dream? Yeah, um, we're talking about two different subjects here, Doug. The uh, the stealing of the bonuses is basically from Venezuelans and Dominicans mostly, and that happens because I mean most of these kids that get signed. Uh, from very poor families, and you know they get taken advantage of, uh, not well educated. Um, so the scouts would sign them, and then they would go into cahoots with their agents, 
and steal a large amount of their bonuses. And that was going on for years prior to us uh, becoming the Department of Investigation. And we uncovered it, and we brought it to light. And as a matter of fact, Bud Selick had a name, Sandy Alderson, uh, at the time to become to take over uh, Latin America um, for Major League Baseball. As far as the human trafficking, that that's mainly with Cuban ballplayers. Uh, I'm Cuban myself. I was born in Cuba. Sure. And, um, you know, these, these players, um, I mean, I, I feel for them because, you know, it's a tough life they live in Cuba. But once they sell their souls to these drug traffickers, um, they basically they go out in the middle of the ocean in the middle of the night. They wait for a light from a speedboat. They swim out to the light, and then they're taken away. Um, and where they end up is in, you know, usually in Mexico. Uh, with a combination of Mexican and Cuban uh, mafia. Uh, I mean, they, they're involved in everything from drug trafficking to kidnapping to human trafficking. Uh, so then these players are brought to a third country. Uh, usually it's not Mexico, usually the Dominican Republic, uh, where they gain residency, and then they're, they're sold. They're, they're put up for a free agency. Um, and, you know, baseball has known that this has been going on for a long time. And um, no, turned a blind eye. Uh, you, you mentioned also your uh, your interview with Anthony Bosch and his allegations that seventy percent of veterans use PEDs. Still, is he still involved in the game, or is he speaking about other people that are still involved in performance dancing drugs? Yeah, that's a question he wouldn't answer. So it would be something you'd have to you know ask him whether he's still involved in you know distributing PEDs I don't know I think it wouldn't be wise for him to do so but I mean I think that's just a, a figure he gave um he didn't exactly say you know if it was current or if it was I would assume it was back when when he was dealing it and he should know I mean you know this is this is a guy like I said that as far as we know I mean we didn't have much communication with him because uh, the labor department um like I told you earlier, we had the investigation that was conducted by the DEA working hand-in-hand, then Labor decided to do their own investigation, and they made Anthony Bosch one of the targets of the DEA investigation, their source. Uh, so we were, we didn't have the opportunity to question him. The Department of Investigations didn't. But, um, you know, we knew about him distributing, or we suspected him distributing, dating back to 2009. And, you know, biogenesis was in 2013. So for for at least four years, and I'm assuming much longer, um, he uh, he was distributing PEDs. Uh, let, let's go to the, the Manfred stuff with, with Alex Rodriguez. You, you also point out in the book that Man, Manfred, from the moment you started working alongside both of the different commissioners, A-Rod was the target. Why such disdain for A-Rod? Was it the name that they thought would strike fear into the hearts? Would it... Would it would it get everybody's attention? Why go after A Rod uh, with such venom? That's a good question. I mean, it's something you would have to ask Bud and Rob. But I mean, if if I were to take a guess, and I think in in baseball book uh, I'm asked that question or I comment on it, and you know, he basic A Rod is you know was the biggest figure in Major League Baseball, and if you take the head off the biggest figure, it looks like the problem goes away. Um, the, the same way that you know Pete Rose was taken for gambling and you know he's the only guy uh, you know suspended for life from the hall of fame for gambling and i you know i would guess that pete rose is probably not the only guy who ever gambled on baseball no question about it um 
In the book, it also says that Ryan Braun went overboard. How so? How did he go overboard? Was it his, his use or his defense? Uh, what, what was Ryan Braun's biggest misstep? Well, right, according to Anthony Bosch, and he was kind of laughing when he was saying it, but he said, you know, the the dude, the dude ate the gummy bears. He used to give them gummy bears, and, uh, and they looked like gummy bears. They were peptides uh, to help them to help gain, you know, more testosterone and be able to play better. And you were supposed to take one, like, in the first inning, and then it would wear out by the end. He said that, you know, the guy got caught because he took about five or six. He was popping them in his mouth every other inning. It seemed to work as well when he was the NL MVP. No, <laughs> I mean, like just, he says, you can't, you got to follow the protocol. Yeah, you got to follow the protocol, but it does, in <laughs> fact, you know, the things about this thing is it does, in fact, work. It's uh, the, the book is called Baseball Cop. Uh, the author, by the way, Eddie Dominguez, has his own incredible personal tale, which you'll uh, read about it, coming over from Cuba and all the trials and tribulations at work and, and in through baseball. Eddie, it's good stuff. We really appreciate you joining us and uh, making so many want to pick, up, pick this up at Amazon or wherever they pick up books. Thanks for joining us. Doug, thank you. All right, that's Eddie Dominguez. The book is called Baseball Cop, available in hardcover. Let's get you to Deb Carson. Deb, what do you got? Doug, well, a lot of NFL stuff going down right now. The Cowboys uh, should be happy. They've got right guard Zach Martin back. He participated in practice for the first time since hyperextending his knee in Dallas's August 18th preseason game. Bengals are finalizing a four-year extension with deten- uh, defensive tackle Geno Atkins. Steelers have acquired receiver and return man Ryan Switzer from the Raiders in exchange for a 2019 fifth-round pick. Pittsburgh also gets a sixth-round pick next year from Oakland. And by the way, Switzer had only been with the Raiders for four months. Oakland acquired him from Dallas four months ago. Colts quarterback Andrew Luck missed his second straight practice, not because of his shoulder, but because of a foot injury. Indy coach Frank Reich says that's a precautionary measure. He expects Luck to be ready for practice starting on Monday. Jets coach Todd Bowles still not committing to who his starting quarterback will be. He says, however, he and his coaching staff will meet after Thursday night's final preseason game against the Eagles. They'll decide who will be the starter for the opener. And Eagles coach Doug Peterson says he expects to know who his starting QB will be by Friday. And by the way, we did have a trade go down in Major League Baseball earlier today. Phillies acquired Jose Bautista from the Mets for a player to be named. So obviously they're trying to make a push in both the NL East and for that final NL wildcard spot. I haven't been watching. Has Joey Bats been hitting at all since he came back to baseball? Um, not a lot. He's been, you know, he hasn't been, you know, what he was his best with the uh, with the Blue Jays. But he's um, he's definitely a great addition to the Phils, though. Two oh four with nine home runs, thirty seven RBIs yeah. since, since joining the Phils. I'm, I'm not as uh, I'm not as like we were always kind of classically trained trained to look at batting average. Mm-hmm. Uh, actually, in the regular season, at two thousand, he's one ninety six, but he is on base. Uh, 339 on base. So the numbers belie is actually a little bit better, but he has become, he is all or nothing. 96 strikeouts in 95 games and 11 home runs. I mean, it's basically home run or, or, or strikeout sit down, or, or strikeout <laughs> for, for Joey Bat. Yeah, exactly. We'll see, we'll see what he has left. The problem with being traded is, well, now he's got to continue to play in the National League, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so he can't be the DH. Can't, can't be the DH for, for an older player. So I don't know what, what that does for you. I just, I don't know. I don't feel like I know the Rockies lost last night, but I, I just I look at the Rockies and I look at everything going on in the NOS. I feel like those are better teams than the Phillies. Yeah. And yet they're sitting there, and the Phillies have seventy wins and sixty uh, and sixty one losses. That's the same number the Dodgers have, even though the Dodgers the Dodgers uh, run differential 
is plus 121. The Phillies is plus two, and yet they have the same record. Yeah, but the Dodgers have been in it for the most part all season. The yes. Phillies are kind of making a, a little push here. But it is, you know, you see this every season, though, everybody kind of making a last gasp effort as the uh, season draws to a close, trying to just get in the uh, get in the postseason. And remember, you got the, the two teams in the National League Central, the Cards and the Brewers, yeah. that are chasing the Cubs, but they're both they both have 73 wins and 58 and 59 losses, respectively. Uh, so, look, it's going to be really interesting here in the National League. I'm still not a I'm not a buyer into the Nats, but I I mean, excuse me, into the Phils. Bills, uh-huh. But I understand that they're playing against the weaker division. Usually, fi- uh, finish up against division foes, and they got a chance to get in in spite of the fact they're not as good as, for example, the Dodgers, whose bullpen has taken turns blowing game after game That's after crazy. game. More or less. Yeah, isn't it crazy? It is. It is. Thanks, Deb. You bet. Uh, Des Bryant has taken to. Twitter and tweeted, I just have to take care of me first. I will play ball this year. Just might be a little bit later in the year. In another tweet, Des wrote, I want to be right. That's my focus right now. Life is great over here. Can I translate that for you? Can I translate that for you? This is like everybody needs things translated from whether it's Twitter or an inside conversation. What does it actually mean? If Des Bryant says, I'm not going to play, I might not play right now, means I'm not going to be on the roster week one of the season. Patriots just announced Eric Decker has retired. They need a wide receiver. That means the Pats are not interested. Jaguars just lost their number one wide receiver. That means they're not interested. He didn't want to sign with the Baltimore Ravens. That means they're not interested. The Cowboys aren't interested. Now we're working on one, two, three, four, five. Uh, the Cleveland Browns apparently aren't interested, didn't offer him a contract. That's five. Five. So you're you're looking right now at a paucity of team. Like I'm I get I'm guessing there's two or three teams which are scared away with young quarterbacks or quarterbacks that are fifty fifty to keep their job. There's probably six or seven other teams that aren't into him. But if if Des Bryant says Hey, I'm, it might take me a little while to get on a team, and everybody knows the Patriots need a guy first four weeks of the season without Julian Edelman. That means the Pats aren't interested. If the Jaguars lose their best wide receiver and he's not on a team week one, they're not interested. So it doesn't mean that it's over, but it appears closer to being over it appears closer to being over than anyone could have could have deemed. Think about that. And here's another thing I told people going back to the last two weeks. There is a certain Kaepernick to this. One of the reasons Colin Kaepernick was not on a roster last year and won't be on a roster this year is it's not about hiring Colin Kaepernick. You hire him, people go crazy. What happens when you fire him? When you fire him, are you called a racist? Are you fired? Are you firing him because you got pressure from the league? Did you get pressure from your sponsors? Maybe you just fired him because he didn't fit in as a backup quarterback. Forget about anything else. Sometimes you got to worry about what is our exit strategy. Do you do that? That, by the way, is what airplanes do when you you get on a plane, right? They're like, all right, in the case of emergency, here's your exit strategy. You're supposed to do that when you buy a home. Right, earthquake. Where do you go? Fire. Where do you go? Exit strategy. Teams look at that. What's your exit strategy? How do we get out of this thing? Because the Cowboys 
paid him for eight years. Gave him a ton of money. Released him after giving him a bonus. He takes to Twitter and calls out two former teammates as being backstabbers. Says the, says the owner doesn't know anything. Incredible amount of vitriol. That's the Cowboys. That's the team he'll be in the ring of honor for. Imagine some other team. He's there for five minutes. Plus, what's past is precedent, right? Buffalo Bills. Remember when they brought in T.O.? People waited for him at the airport. How'd that work out? Not so good. Some of it is his own error. Some of it is um, whatever his price tag is. Some of it is diminishing skills and inability to run routes and maybe a lack of overall football IQ. But some of it is also exit strategy. If the second I cut you, you're going to call out people who you think did you wrong. I'd rather get somebody who doesn't cost me much, won't ruffle feathers, just wants to come in and play football. Coming up next, one of the best players in the game is making his return. I'll give you the details next. Be sure to catch live editions of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at noon Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. Doug Gottlieb Show, Fox Sports Radio. You and else to be a good weekend for? Vegas. Wouldn't it? But I guess you don't, it's kind of, oh, you can gamble from home. You can always kind of gamble from home. It's just better in Vegas. <laughs> gamble right? from home. Better. Not quite the same, right? I mean, come on. Mm, 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 mm. Uh, Doug Gottlieb show here on Fox Sports Radio. I love this. I get in these people, get in this argument with people about Dirk and Manu, and they're come back to me saying I'd rather have Manu. It's like, I'd rather have the guy who carries his his franchise. Like, yeah, why'd they lose in the first round so many times? We carry his franchise to losses. Like, that's not actually a good argument. Get to the press. The press. Deb Carson, what do you got? Doug, still pouring through the five million documents uh, dumped by Ohio State University today. Among them, though, uh, text chains between Urban and Shelly Meyer, a text chain between Urban, the uh, sports information director there at Ohio State, and the AD, Gene Smith. Um, in my opinion, everybody knew about everything. But there is one one note uh, from Shelley to Urban Meyer. She texted him on the night of the 23rd of July. Two things. You can always use Gene, meaning Gene Smith, as part of the reason for not giving the receiver position. Two, I'm worried about Zach's response. He drinks a lot, and I'm not sure how stable he would be. Afraid he would do something dangerous. It obviously has anger, rage issues already. Yeah, but that was this year, correct? Yes, that's this year. Uh, that's the thing is a lot of the stuff had already been dumped by Brett McMurphy. And I say dumped by meaning revealed. Um, there was also a text chain between, you know, around the time of the press conference, basically, in which Urban Meyer is on the text chain with uh, the SID and AD G- uh, Gene Smith. He says, I received text asking about Zach issues in 2009. I knew about it. It was dropped. Also, 2015 said felony arrest. I know nothing about this. Is there a way to find out exactly what his issues are? Need some guidance. So they both took shots at telling him exactly what to say, which is what we did end up hearing, you know, in the statement from Urban Meyer. So there's nothing particularly revealing in any of this other than uh, there was a lot of discussion behind the scenes about how to uh, CYA to cover um, tailbone, shall yeah, we say. Yeah, but look, I, I, I actually view it as, here. Here's the th- this is the problem with it, okay? Yeah. Um, if, if charges are never brought, 
You know, like, do you, it just depends on what you go by. Do you go by, did something happen if charges are never brought? It's a really hard, of course. right? Like that's, and no, I, th- no, but I, and I take a different stance than you. I think, again, having known some abused women, there are women, especially those who depend on their husband's income as well, you know, sure. for their children's survival, essentially. They don't say anything. They think, okay, it's going to pass. Or once we divorce, this is the case, uh, in which, uh, Courtney Smith said in, in one of the text messages to, Urban Meyer's wife, you know, I thought once we were divorced, this would all go away. He would essentially, uh, it would be the next person's problem, essentially. Um, but but his threats uh, and his rage continued with but, her. But, but the, the problem with it, look, I'm, I I completely understand, Deb, that, that one of the reasons that women don't come forward in the past has been either uh, they feel fear their husband will get fired, and now all of a sudden, you know, that's based upon how their relationship works. You know, that's going to it's going to hurt the whole family or it'll hurt. You know, maybe the the husband now gets even even crazier or they they also don't feel like they've been believed. The difference here is she did apparently call the local police in Ohio nine times. Yes. And they did not believe anything rose to charges. And so one of the pictures that has been painted is that, you know, some of the some of the stuff has been instigated by Courtney now. Whether or not she was driven to act this way based upon his actions. But, you know, when she wants him arrested for trespassing because he tried to drop his kids off and she didn't, she no showed the location, it paints a picture of there being kind of two parts of this story. Well, you understand? Yeah. yeah. Well, and it's, it's a historically dysfunctional. That's the, that's a, such an understatement relationship. Yes. Um, but also toxic. Ha- toxic. Better, yeah. yeah. Um, but, but, and you, you lived in, I mean, not that, uh, Oklahoma State was in a small town, but I grew up, you know, I went to high school in Texas. Uh, there are a lot of things that people in powerful positions, and we can call Zach Smith's position powerful because Ohio State is the, you know, that is the straw that stirs the drink. Um, who knows what the police, and I'm not accusing the, the police there in, in Columbus or any of the, the towns nearby of doing this necessarily, but there are a lot of times that people say, you know, well, sugar, we're not going to do anything about it right now, or, oh, it'll get better. You know, it, it is swept under the rug, and I'm not saying that happened but, in this but instance. You are, but you are, but by saying that, you are saying you think it happened. I, I, I got to be honest. I think it could have happened, absolutely. Or one of the reasons Urban Meyer and his wife didn't, involved themselves in the investigation was the second he picks up the phone, that could be the perception of what happens. It's like an impossible situation you put. So all you can do is, is he charged? Did it happen? If not, I have to proceed as if it didn't happen. The, the problem with it is there are so many different things that Zach Smith did wrong to which you could have found something to fire him, right? Right. That, that's really kind of, I think, what's what's more at issue. Exactly. And uh, I... Oh, sorry. Go ahead. All right. We got to get one more and get one more in All here right. so we don't leave on the Zach Smith. <laughs> Steelers running back Le'Veon Bell still hasn't signed his franchise tender or reported to the Steelers camp, but the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette expects him to show up on Monday. That'll be the first day of practice for the week leading up to Pittsburgh's week one game against the Browns. And of course, that was exactly his M.O. back in 2017. When... He told us this actually at the Super Bowl. Oh, OK. At the Super Bowl, he said, I'm I will. I'm coming back. I will not do training camp. And. He's a man of his word. He's a man of his word. No one. All right. Uh, I'll be off tomorrow. Personal business back on Thursday. This is the Doug Gottlieb show. It is game week. Prepare yourself on Fox Sports Radio.
At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at first, first listen. listen. We're older, we're wiser, and we're podcasting through a new decade of our lives. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. And getting to the heart of our stories. We're going places we've never gone before, and we're bringing you along with us. With new segments, correspondence, and a brand new sound. Season 9 is kicking off with an intimate interview with Grammy Award-winning singer-songwriter Natalia Laforcade. What's giving you hope right now? Well, when I see See what music does to people. It gives me a lot of hope. If you liked Locatora before, you're going to love Season 9. Subscribe to our show and you'll see why Locatora is your prima's favorite podcast. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Do you love Selena? Like, really love? Whether you saw her live, saw the movie as a kid, or saw her looks all over TikTok, there's no shortage of reasons to stand the Queen of Tejano. And Stan, we do over three whole episodes of our podcast, Becoming an Icon. We're reminiscing as lifelong Selena fans, sharing hot takes and telling her story. Listen to Becoming an Icon on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search Becoming an Icon. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here and this season takes it to a whole new level old school legends modern power players and ex-lovers are all competing in cape town south africa for the prize of three hundred thousand dollars and we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast listen to mtv's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts 